Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuck show, hanging out in this Kia studios on this Thursday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our new and improved Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, Atlanta United last night, I thought it was a good draw. I thought, um, you know, the fact they got a point on the road and uh, obviously played well defensively uh, was a good sign last night. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to the man that knows all things about Atlanta United. He's the color analyst for them on 92.9 The Game. And uh, coming up on Saturday, Jason Longshore, who's on Twitter, at Longshoe, by the way, will be on the call along with uh, Mike, uh, Mike Connie. Uh, they will have the call for Atlanta and D.C. United. Saturday, 7 o'clock, pregame, 7.30 kick. Chuckery will be large and in charge in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Jason Longshore joins us on the waitfor.com hotline. Jason, good evening to you. Good evening. You going to crash the booth with us on Saturday? Yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, if you need some, you know, analysis and, and some just insight, you know, Doc Sock's always available. I can, listen, if you, if you pull a muscle or something or, like, strain your back, you can always call the crafty lefty to come in and, you know, be a part uh, of everything. So, uh, <laughs> I like, any, it, like it. Yeah. Anyway, um, look, you know, Brad Guzan, who's, listen, he's taken plenty of hits this year, right? I mean, he's, and I don't mean like physically, but I mean like from people in the media and different things like that. He's taken plenty of hits about his play at times, but he was outstanding last night, especially in the first half where I think he made, what, like five really big saves in that match. I mean, he was terrific last night, and, you know, it really felt like, okay, that was one of those matches where we really needed that out of him last night. Yeah, you needed that kind of defensive performance, I think, in totality, but you're right about Brad. I mean, I've had this conversation all week. Go back to the Orlando game. I mean, we're going to go back to he did take a hit, actually, physically. Uh, knocked him out for seven weeks. Right. That injury from NYC that he comes back in Orlando and – played really well and had a huge save in that one to earn a point on the road against new England. Yeah. He didn't play well. I think the criticisms of him were extremely overblown and jumping to conclusions when he had had a good match literally four days prior, you can't jump to conclusions about a player of his quality. You can't base it on one game. He had a huge night last night, but he is a very important part of this team going forward this season. And it's not just for the shot stopping. I think a big reason why the defense last night 
yeah, did concede a number of shots. But when you go back and you look at the the overall numbers and you look at where a lot of those shots were coming from, he saved the close-in ones, but there weren't that many of those. LAFC didn't get good looks off of crosses consistently, something that's given Atlanta United troubles this year at times. They didn't get good looks off of set pieces. They didn't get good looks off of transition. They ended up settling for a lot of shots, 25 to 18 yards out, around the top of the 18-yard box. They settled for some longer-range shots. I mean, Brad Kazan made the saves that he had to make. He made some saves that not many goalkeepers are making. But his overall leadership and organization of the team defensively We've seen it in two out of the three games since he came back. That's pretty good. The more games he gets, the sharper he will be in shot stopping, but also with his distribution, which is another angle that I thought he was good with last night. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and I may be wrong, so you can correct me on this. I think Atlanta United finished with no shots on target um, in, in the match last night. Was that about what L.A. was doing or Atlanta United maybe not being aggressive enough? It's both. I mean, you have to give credit to LAFC for keeping Atlanta off the board because no team has done that this season. Mm -hmm. That's the first time Atlanta United hasn't scored in a match this season. They were the last team in MLS to have that kind of a a streak. LAFC, I thought what they did in the middle third especially was really good. They had almost like two waves of – defending high up the field their press was very good especially as the game went on and I think Atlanta got tired and, and kind of had that siege mentality where you maybe just couldn't get things going when you did have the ball because LAFC was all over the attacking half but they were really good in the middle third to keep Atlanta from getting into the attacking half and into dangerous spots and you have to give LAFC credit for that I think one of the reasons why Atlanta couldn't do that outside of just LAFC was, was good on the night is Tiago Almada and Mateo Sosech, who I think both had poor games, and it happens. I mean, these are two players, especially in, in Almada, who have been very good this season in those kinds of moments, and they weren't here. I, I think Sosechu having to defend as much as he did, it's not the best, strongest suit of his game, and it took a lot out of him, and he had some uncharacteristic giveaways and Almada wasn't able to get the team into those dangerous spots consistently. And for a player who has been as good as he is, again, you can't jump to conclusions. You can't jump to, whoa, well, he's not any good anymore. That's crazy talk. He had, didn't have the night that we're accustomed to seeing from him because he struggled at times with his touch. And also LAFC defended him really well. You've got to find a way going forward when teams defend that well got to find other avenues to get into the attacking half and just relieve the pressure defensively because you can't ask Brad Gazan in the defense to deal with that type of offensive onslaught on a regular basis. And they haven't all season, but you can't let that become a trend. And if anybody knows about crazy talk, it's me because I do it for four hours a night. Anyway, uh, Jason true. Longshore joining us on the WaitForIt.com hotline. Um, <laughs> when when – Carlos Vela was stoned by Brad Guzan on that penalty kick, and then what was he called? I guess I guess he was over the line, or, or he didn't. He he stepped off the line. Was that like that collective gasp? It was like, oh my gosh! Like, how did this happen? And he's going to get another shot. And obviously, I mean, he didn't make it. I mean, I think it. You know, it, it it ended up going over the crossbar. But was that kind of like one of those exhale moments of like, whoo, we dodged one there. I mean, he made a great save, but. 
you know, it just felt like, okay, then we get the, you know, then we get the re-kick on it, and it was like, oh, gosh, he's not going to miss this twice, is he? And that just felt like the moment of the match where, like, that could have been the deciding factor about what happened. Oh, 100%. I mean, when that penalty gets called, and it's soft, but it's a penalty. Porata grabs Vela as he's, he's running into the 18, and Vela goes down as soon as he feels the contact, which nothing wrong with that. Puts the, the decision in the hands of the referee, and there's enough there to justify the penalty. Um, they give it. Okay. I liked what Brad Kazan did, and I liked what Juan Oparata did in the moments. Because remember, there was a long review, and mm-hmm. I think they were looking at, is it a penalty? Is it also, was there an offside decision in it? Possibly. It, it took forever. But Gazan and Parata were both having some conversations with Carlos Vela. And you start to get into somebody's head a little bit. Then Brad's a step off. I mean, he, he just mistimes the, the save by a step back in the day, almost like the, the double play where the, the second baseman or the shortstop doesn't really touch second base, but they're close enough. Back in the day, that save would have stood. But now you have the video review and who's the foot off the line. You have to have a one foot on the line or over the line when the ball struck. Brad started early. You have to retake it. Thought that was going to end up in the back of the net. But that's also tough for the kicker in those moments because you've just had it saved, even though it didn't count. You get in your own head sometimes with, okay, do I do the exact same thing? Because that's what I do on penalties generally. Most guys kind of have a go-to penalty that they're going to go with. Do I do something completely different? What's the goalkeeper going to do? Are they going to do the same thing? Are they going to guess different? And you start to get in your own head, and that's what it looked like with Vela because he put it 15 rows into the stands. Jason, talk to me a little bit about the way that this schedule looks. I mean, they played here on Wednesday. Uh, we know we just talked about they're going to be at home on Saturday, and then they'll get a little bit of a break where they don't play again until Wednesday against New York, and then they turn right back around a few days later and play on Saturday you know, and then then it's Sunday the following week. I mean, how tough of a stretch is this going to be starting with last night where you're West Coast and you're home and then you go up to New York, you know, in a couple of weeks here? I mean, just, you know, it does feel like a funky part of the schedule right now. Yeah, it is. This Saturday game is going to be really tough. Um, luckily, D.C. United, for some strange reason, decided to schedule a friendly last night. So they played last night. Uh, they did rotate guys through, but a lot of the players that I would expect to play on Saturday for D.C. United played against Nicoxa of Liga MX last night in a friendly, which is one of the crazier scheduling things I've ever seen. Atlanta United didn't have a choice here because this game was rescheduled from the weekend. LAFC was in the CONCACAF Champions League final, got bumped back to Wednesday, and it is difficult. I mean, play last night. The theory now, I think, in these situations with coming back and having to play on short rest is what we did. You stay in on the West Coast after the game. You get a normal night of sleep and then have your travel day. And the team was doing a region when they got back into town, uh, kind of just a region day. And then they'll train tomorrow, light training session, probably very light training session, and turn around and play on Saturday. And when you get into that, one coming up later in the month with the Wednesday at home and then travel for the Saturday game. At least it's a shorter trip, but you almost have to think of the two games a little bit as a package deal when you're preparing because you don't have that time in between 
to implement anything tactically. You're, you're not going to have training sessions in there. You're not going to be able to do that. So you have to think about it as a package deal from a tactical perspective, but you also have to think about it, okay, how many minutes are guys going to be able to give you? And Yorgos Yakamakis still trying to get back to 90 minutes fitness. He's not there. I don't know what he's got in the tank for Saturday. Mateus Hosechu, like I mentioned, he didn't have a great night last night. Also had a ton of defending to do. He looked very exhausted by the end of his time on the pitch. Can he go 90 if needed on, on Saturday? You might have to see some rotation in these kind of games. And it's a good thing that the young players are stepping up. Uh, Tyler Wolf has been great off the bench here lately. Machoke Chol, a Johnny Fortune. These are guys who have earned this opportunity. And I think you're going to have to trust them to get you through some spots where the legs are heavy. Last question, Jason. Um, you know, fair or unfair, for a long time, MLS was looked at as a league that you would have great players that would end their career, right? I mean, you would have great players from around the world that would come to MLS and they were kind of on their last legs and past their prime and things like that and just kind of rode off into the sunset in, in MLS. What does Messi joining MLS mean for this league and and what does it mean, you know, again, uh, a guy who's not over the hill by any stretch, but what does it mean for MLS to get Messi to come to Inter-Miami? It's crazy, honestly. It's it's crazy following on all of this and how it's all developed. I mean, this was the window that it was first possible, and I wasn't sure if it would happen here. Um, kind of went back and forth on it after they won the World Cup, because I think if they hadn't won the World Cup, I don't know what trajectory his career takes. Does he, you know, does he still have the motivation to keep going at that point? I feel like the World Cup has maybe rejuvenated him a bit. And he had a great tournament, and he had a great year in, in Ligue 1 with PSG, one of the best attacking seasons um, of the top five major leagues in Europe. That was Lionel Messi this season at 35. So I think it's, it's a really unique situation where MLS is not, in the business now uh, of going and signing 35-year-olds on a regular basis. Lionel Messi is not your ordinary 35-year-old. And just some of the things that we've seen already from the signing that it's not even uh, technically official. I think they still have some final things to to nail down in terms of the financials. But Inter-Miami's Instagram followers have gone up by 4.4 million in 24 plus hours they have more instagram followers than any team in any major league in the united states now Mm. because of Messi. they had one million going into the day yesterday like stuff like that's crazy i mean i don't know how many subscriptions apple has sold since Messi was announced uh we've seen tickets here in atlanta the resale price go up we've seen tickets with the new uh, expanded capacity for that match those tickets are selling. Charlotte did the same thing. I'm sure they sold a ton of tickets. Just from a straight-up quick financial impact, if you have a question about why MLS would go get a guy at 35 like Messi, <laughs> straight away the, the dollars and the impressions and the attention justifies it. And I think he's a different kind of guy in terms of he's not going to come here and coast. He is a very competitive player. He's somebody who doesn't like to miss games. He doesn't like to be subbed out. He wants to go win Copa America in 2024 with Argentina, which is going to be played in the U.S. And 
if he stays healthy, I think he might try to defend the World Cup title in 2026, also being played in this country. So it all kind of lines up perfectly to get something like this done. And I'm just still a little in shock that it is going to happen. And Jason, if uh, we know anything, as Joe Pesci said in Casino, it's always about the dollars. It's always it about always the dollars. Is. Yes, always, always about the dollars. So Jason Longshore will be on the call on Saturday, D.C. United in town, 7 o'clock pregame, 7.30 kick. Jason and uh, Mike, um, Mike Connie will have the call for uh, Atlanta United as uh, I will be large and in charge uh, there. And he joined us here on the waitfor.com hotline at Longshoe on Twitter. Jason, as always, my friend, appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes with us tonight. Thanks for having me on, as always. I'll see you Saturday. You got it. We will be there. Large and in charge, Day-Day. Large and in charge. Coming back, what's bugging Chuckery? All of this is all bad. I'll talk about that next. Chuckery in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Odyssey.com app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.